Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agile Podcast. Yes, we're aware it's been a while since our last one. You don't need to remind us, thank you. We've been very busy, very busy. But we're sorry it's been so long since our last episode. But now we're back. Here we are. And it was a catch-up for me and Jeff in our local city of Bristol. And we met at a pub in Old Market in Bristol called The Long Bar. It was a long bar, actually, just a very narrow pub. Uh, So we shared a pint together. It's been a while since we've actually had a chance to slow down and catch up. So this episode is pretty much one of those catch-up episodes. We talked about our current schedules, uh, conferences we've been to, a little bit of AI crept in there as well, but also just a general kind of state of play in terms of the agile space and the industry we work in. So we hope you enjoy it, and we hope that we're back with a few more regular episodes for you to enjoy Uh, Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. And why not have a look at our YouTube channel as well where there's some video episodes that you can catch up on. Uh, That's enough for me. Play the jingle. Here we are. Nice to see you. We're back. Boys are back in town. Yeah. Captain Lizzie. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's so we're drinking a. a we both got the same today, for a change. Can't remember the last time we both had the same drink. No, it's not like you used to drink a cider. Anyway, that's, that's that's for sure. But yeah, we've got a pint of pheasant plucker. Which is quite easy, easier to say when you're sober than when you're drunk. Yeah, easy to say now. Do you like a, a tongue twister? My favourite tongue twisters. That is, well, that is a, 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 it's certainly a, there's a whole verse, isn't there? Double entendre. I'm yeah. not, I'm not the pheasant plucker, I'm the pheasant plucker's son. I oh. can't remember the rest of it. You know oh. the song? No, it's I a don't song know. or a, it's a, it's a, I have to Google it. We'll put, we'll put the tongue twister in the, in the, in the notes. Okay. We're in the long room or the long bar? Long bar. Long bar. Yeah, Bristol. Bristol. Old Market, Bristol. Yeah, nice to be back. Been, been a long time, been a long time. That's another song, isn't it? I went to a, went to a bar the other night with my wife and it was 90s gangster rap. On the, it was like a playlist of Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Tupac, you know, Notorious B.I.G. Really? It's amazing how many of the lyrics I remembered. I haven't heard that stuff for maybe 25 years. Amazing. Yeah. How it stuck. I was in a, we were in a karaoke bar, just, as, as people may, may know, I've just come back from Amsterdam from the global scrum, scrum grabbing there. We went to, as, as is most frequent with these things, we ended up in a karaoke bar. And um, Nigel Baker uh, apparently knows all the words to Wannabe by Spice Girls. <laughs> without, without the need to see the lyrics on the screen, okay. word for word, I was impressed. I was impressed. Did he know the notes as well? <laughs> well, no. He knew the words, but not, not necessarily in the right pitch. But uh, good fun. Generally, karaoke is a winner with me, generally. What did you sing? Oh, well, Jeff. Uh, I did duets all night. Duet? I was, I was uh, available for duets. I did... Uh, I start, Nigel suggested uh, Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D. Okay. We murdered that one. And uh, I did... Um, Take Me Home Country Road with Joe Kid Rock no the original okay. version okay. by um, John Denver 
and I did. What else did I do? Oh, me and Nigel also sang "Tainted Love" by Soft Cell, and we also we finished with "I've Had the Time of My Life" by from Dirty Dancing with Bill Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. <laughs> so uh, yeah. But those see, karaoke is about. I, I was trying to explain this to, to the, the guys that were singing. That chose to sing "Enter Sandman" by Metallica. Okay. Which I think with karaoke you've got to read the room, and there wasn't many people singing along to that. So um, yeah, you, you've got to read, read the room, and you've got to play to the crowd. You've got to create the crowd, crowd what they want. And yours were well received, were they? Oh yeah, everyone, everyone was singing along. Everyone was singing along. How was the gathering itself outside of the? I know you only really go for the karaoke, but of course. But I only turned up on the Monday. I was um, I had a busy weekend the weekend before, but um, it was good. Um, not, I don't think there was many as many people there as there used to be. I think there's only just under 300 people there. So not, okay. I mean, for the size of the venue they had, not particularly busy. Um, that was a global gathering, not a regional gathering. Yeah. yeah. So, so in the past, maybe 1,500 people in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it was massively. They haven't seen the numbers return after COVID generally, so smaller than people anticipated. Um, Seriously. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so smaller than people anticipated, and yeah, it was. I mean, the venue that they chose was far too big, really, for what they what they had. I think now the scrum lights are downsizing generally. In the future, they're going down to one, going down to one global gathering a year, which will alternate between the, st the states and Europe. Okay. And then um, regional gatherings, smaller regional gatherings, popping up uh, across the globe after that. I think. Mm. So I don't. Th I think the appetite for face-to-face -face uh, gatherings generally has, has decreased. Which is the same in the training world if, if, that I've, I've certainly found is that with the rise of virtual training and coaching, it's quite hard now to get people to into a room for a training course, mm. publicly and privately. That's yeah. what I'm seeing. It's definitely um, a squeezed market at the moment. Even some of the clients that I'm working at, even though they're still supporting people with training and development, they're... Interestingly, actually, uh, that we've, I've had companies that have had budget squeezes in terms of travel bans. Yeah. But these are the same companies that, that want their people to come back into the office. But is that different because they're expecting people to travel on their own expense? <coughs> yeah, absolutely. If you it's kind of um, hypocritical in a way, isn't it? Yeah. We're not willing to pay for you to go away. But we want you to pay for yourself to come mm. in. I, I think we're seeing, I think you predicted this on a pub, podcast moons ago when, yeah. the, when the pandemic first started that there's going to be a, a kickback mm. for employers when they need, when they want people to come back in, that yeah. people won't be prepared to come back in. And I think we're seeing that now. And, and now it's got to, I know several companies that are now, now it's not an, a request, it's a, a mandate. Yeah. You have to be back in the office one day a week or two yeah. days a week. Um, Maybe it's flexible on which day, but you have to show show your face. Because mm. they've got these massive offices that we can't can't afford to pay for, or we're not warranting to pay for. Do you think that's the reason? I know it's a it's a part of it, I'm sure. 
But I think it's a gen general view that face-to-face -face is better than online. Yeah. I think a lot of people still still resist it now. Or, oh, definitely. Or still much more comfortable at home. But there's an element of people will resist anything that's mandated. Yes. Just from an autonomy perspective, but also there's an element of, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to have to spend my time travelling and it's easy but I've had it's so many I don't I didn't want this to be wasn't my intention to actively avoid it but it wasn't a topic that I generally enjoy talking too much about but had some people really taking the mick it's your phone mate like really the, take the tape Jeff just dropped his phone on the floor yeah <laughs> and I, I don't have screen covers or <laughs> is it alright is your phone yeah, yeah okay? it's fine don't worry, it's Apple. That was the advert, wasn't it? That was it? Yeah. That, that sort of, um, they had a phone on the edge of the desk. Oh, uh, okay. Getting people anxious and stressed about it. And it was like, don't worry, it's an iPhone. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, yeah, you carry uh, on. Um, what was I saying? You're saying uh, you didn't want us to be... Oh, yeah. Now, people really taking the mic, like putting out their washing while on a call. Really? Yeah, so you can literally see their dirty... Well, no, it's clean, I see, isn't it? <laughs> Put air in their dirty linen in public. Um, uh, people just taking their calls in bed. So you've had that in your, in your courses? In your well, I don't really run many, but I've, I've been on... I've been invited been in to calls. calls and workshops. So we do, I do do some. So we'll do, even on our pathways, where we have the face-to-face -face workshops, we'll often have online navigator sessions, because yeah. that's 90 minutes and... It's a bit harsh to get everybody to come in yeah. for just that if that if they're not going to be there for the rest of the day. So yeah, have people who don't turn their cameras on, aren't there, doing other things. And I can see if I was if I was an employer, I could quite easily see the frustration with that. Yeah, I've I've had the opposite really. I think now I've got people that maybe it's because I'm very clear in the in the preamble and the instructions that in the emails I send in advance are saying look I need you to, I need to see you so people come in with that expectation yeah and yeah there's always going to be situations where they need they need to take a phone call or the doorbell rings or whatever it might be but um, generally I've seen I've seen the opposite now yeah, but yeah, it is it is um, I would say it's a, on the whole it's a probably a poor choice of word but a relatively depressed market at the moment I think mean, oh. the general feeling I get from the conversations I have I very rarely speak to somebody who's happy at work in our industry you mean? yeah yeah I mean well in general I suppose but yeah certainly in in anything agile related the I think it's a combination of the, the prevalence of, of safe um, the the whole remote side of things the lack of hope organisationally there's, there's people being made redundant and mm. being asked to do more for less and um, yeah it's, uh, well you've seen you've been to a lot more conferences than I have this year mm. um, are, there many, are there people kind of walking around actively scouting for jobs or is there people yeah. openly saying I've got no work the type yeah, of yeah, yeah. Most, most people saying in between contracts yeah. or looking for a new one just being made redundant um, yeah Lots of things like that. Even the people that aren't, and I, w I won't name the company, 
but there was one company who were actually there as, right. a, as a sponsor yeah. at one of these conferences. And so they had lots of people there who were on free tickets because they yeah. were sponsoring it. Um, and I said, oh, you're doing some really cool stuff where you are, aren't you? Yeah. And they said, well, some are, but oh, it's awful. Oh, really? It's awful. Yeah. Really, really not enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. So I really don't get that impression yeah. from you know, all the things people post online. It's a, I think it's a mixture, isn't it? You get, I see a lot more people who are quite openly sharing their mental health struggles mm-hmm. um, and uh, stories in, in that regard. But equally, you still get the old social media, everything's great, you know, I've just done this, and it's amazing, thanks yeah. to this, I'm really honoured, I'm really flattered, I'm really humbled, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and you never believe everything you see on, on social media, either, yeah, anything, really. But there's very little sort of in the middle, I think, that I see in my feeds. Yeah, and I think that has been backed up by a number of people that just came up to me at the conference and said, are you busy? Like, they're almost un- are trying to, to assess if it was... Because um, I think you're right. I think there is generally a downturn in, in my market, in, in our space, um, numbers-wise and <coughs> work-wise. And I think everyone was feeling it slightly. And, yeah, people very much at a conference trying to to sound out if they're alone or, you know, if everyone's um, you know, kind of a strength in numbers type thing, we can kind of stand, stand with each other and, and, and stick, stick, by, stick by it. But the Scrum Alliance, so from my um, chatting with the Scrum Alliance staff at the, the, the gathering, that's, it is a, uh, across the agile industry generally, um, Scrum Alliance numbers are down, I think. Um, any so any indication of actual numbers? I don't know. I, d- I couldn't give you actual figures, but they pr- they're predicting kind of a 12 to 18 month slowdown in um, in agile training across the board. Um, how they predict that and how they how they can ex- how they ex- when they expect it to, um, to, to 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 resurrect itself, I don't know. But that's the that's the current outlook, which again sounds quite doom and gloom. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting trying to you know trying to trying to work out what people want and there was some interesting stuff that came out of the gathering around the need for skills rather than jobs so a lot of more training I think is is, is, is attractive to people looking to gain not so much a new job or, or take on a new role but how to re, um, re-skill upskill within their own hmm. or add skills to their own job um, yeah, an existing one. Job roles are a lot more fluid than they used to be. Yeah, take the you know, the move to accountabilities in the scrum guide rather than yeah. roles. Yeah, I think that's quite a common thread that I'm seeing. Um, and it's in, it's an interesting challenge for me actually, one that I haven't <coughs> haven't yet figured out how to respond to. So my the pathways that I offer yeah. <coughs> appear to be focused on roles. Yeah, so scrum mastery appears to most people to be focused on the Scrum Master. The fact that it's just linked to the title of my book is essentially the yeah. and mastery of Scrum. But I, I, I think that, that it's getting to the point now where I think that needs to change. So when I talk to people, I say it's not about frameworks. Yeah. It's not even about roles. You don't have to be a Scrum Master. You don't have to be doing Scrum. It's how to be more, yeah, how to be a better facilitator, how to be a better coach, how to be yeah, a better yeah, change yeah. agent. It's those yeah. skills. But I think it needs to be more explicit than that. And language can be a really powerful thing when it comes to motivating. Um, marketing yeah you know, if people hear one thing 
that can be a huge anchor in terms of how they interpret everything associated with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot of, you see on LinkedIn lately, oh, these well, just um, occasional new courses pop up and another one from scrum.org which is like um, I thought it was a parody I thought it was backlog, certified backlog management certified or professional scrum certified product back- it's a, a huge acronym yeah certified product backlog management skills or something like that but maybe that's maybe that's where it's going maybe well that's the kind interest. of micro training micro skills is going yeah and that I think that's an interesting it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. So I've I've put my chips on, on black the table. there, oh, essentially, oh, oh, okay. and saying micro training is is not the way. Right. In that sense, so that's even less than a a two day class, isn't yeah. it? It's really really hyper focused on one particular thing. And I can I could make a case for that. I can make a case for you know having almost like um so I'm thinking now to my, my little boy who you know who who's goes to tennis lessons and stuff and he's got a thing at the back of his book yeah. which says you know, serve and forehands and backhands and volleys right. and whatever. So he focuses on different aspects of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And he will get stickers associated with that. Yeah. So I could see how you could create, you know, a list of skills that that you could focus on really short, sharp bursts and almost build up these things. Because you might get someone who, you know, is, is in product management. Yeah. And they don't they're fine with stakeholder management. They're fine with that. But product backlog management's a real problem for them. Yeah, so why yeah. why put themselves on a, a whole big course yeah, yeah, yeah. where some of the stuff they already know about? So I could I could definitely make a case for that. Yeah. But for me it's it's just and, and this week, you know, this last week was a really good thing for me in that I'd just finished a pathway with, with one of my clients. And um, so for those people that aren't familiar, we, we do some workshops and then we have some regular coaching sessions to put that into practice, but also they can pick what they want to cover. Yeah. You know, essentially some, some agile coaching between the workshops where I don't know what they're going to come up and ask for. Yeah. And so this last session was, I turned up and as a group they, they, they shared their challenges across the group uh, and they picked, essentially picked a backlog and prioritised it and then I was then coaching them through four particular topics over half a day. Yeah. And they, they loved it, they said this is amazing, you know, if you go to a training course, usually the trainer has got an agenda that they're going to go through and you know what you're signing up for so that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, they said this, this, this is a great way of putting the learning that we had a couple of months ago into regular practice and, and more nuanced deep thing and that for me I was chatting to Dave West at, at scrum.org a while ago I said I think we, we need fewer but better scrum masters yeah and fewer but better products yeah leaders yeah there's just so many out there that aren't particularly well skilled or experienced yeah same with agile coaches even also with agile coaches I yeah, think we yeah, need fewer yeah. of them yeah but are really 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 good um, I wonder if that if, yeah, I'm not sure if micro training is the way to achieve that you know yeah I was gonna say mention something else then which is now gone sorry well, no it's fine but I wonder I just yeah I wonder with the there was a huge bubble, wasn't there, with the whole agile, agile coaching roles exploded. And now it seems we have a lot of agile coaches that can't find a role. 
um, when there's less less of those roles available. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's it's almost that. That's what I was going to say. I did some work with a, or I was approached by an, um, a company, a guy who went to our uh, product tank session in Cardiff when we dressed oh, up yeah. as Star Wars on oh, yeah. May the 4th hence hence Star Wars May the 4th um, and he approached me after that and he was interested in because we mentioned AI and I mm. wonder whether the whole AI thing is, is actually pushing us towards that kind of micro micro training because he was offering a service through Slack where basically if you needed an answer it would basically give you on the spot micro training yeah. there and then so on on the on the fly as you needed it I need to know more about product backlog management tell me what I need to know yeah. teach me so kind of a almost like a um, an AI fed direct line to a trainer or a coach yeah, yeah. so, so it's him food. but it's it's using AI or is it yeah, just no, completely he, automated it would be he's trying to offer it to me as a way that I can I'd have to have a bank of uh, knowledge that he, they could pull from um, I basically have like a virtual pool um, on Slack. Yeah. And that's that type of thing. I've seen of. quite a few of those. People have asked me if they could incorporate my content into it. So basically plug my books and my blog posts and yeah. stuff into it. So that's content that their AI could pull from. But they're offering me almost nothing in return. No. So, but yeah, I think that's, that's I think you're right. I think that's partly behind it. In that people think, well, I can get, I can get it cheaper like, or free. I can pay fifteen quid a month for ChatGPT or whatever. Yeah, and that can um, and my people can ask them. Yeah, that, I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said for that, but there's so much incorrect information that comes out of that. Yeah, yeah. So I think at the the at that event in Cardiff, I said I. Just out of interest, like I put in some something into ChatGPT around conflict. Yeah. Give me some conflict models that I'm not aware of, and it gave me some, but they were wrong. <laughs> so I, I fact-checked, but I don't think a lot of people do. No. I think they just take it as truth. Yeah. And so I, I fact-checked. I looked up the references, um, and it was I don't know, five different types of conflict, and I looked it up, and they were different. So I went back to ChatGPT and said, I don't think that's correct. Can you double-check that? Oh, and it said, Oh, my bad. Really? Yeah. So uh, fast up to it. Yeah, but equally, I've also tested when it's given me a correct answer and said, "Oh, I don't think that's correct." And it says, "Oh, yeah, my bad." So uh, okay. it doesn't know. No. And how can it yet? No. And it's also the other the other thing there is it's not creating any content. No. It's just consolidating, amalgamating, and filtering it. Yeah. yeah. So it's taking all the. I mean, how many people write? absolute nonsense on the internet yeah and it's taking that information I'd like to think it's it's weighting it less heavily than something that you know it's got some significant validation to it but who's who's checking that I don't think many people are no so you can definitely be propagating the misinformation and bad practice just yeah. as well as good practice yeah yeah you're right it's a it's a it's a difficult in some respect, don't mean to sound too negative about it. But it's a difficult future to, to to see right now in terms of where you know we're sitting here in five years' time. What we'll what we'll be talking about and, and whether our jobs will be different. Whether our 
our approach or our delivery or our content will be different. It's, I'm less sure these days. I'm less sure about the future, generally, I think. Yeah. Can't predict it. I'm intrigued by it. I'm curious. Yeah, if someone came along and said to me, Jeff, we're, we're working in the field of AI, do you want a job? Yeah. And it was something that I think I could add value to. I would be, I'd be intrigued because it's new and I, I've always liked new. Yeah. But I'd be adopting, I'd be adopting a somewhat open-minded yet sceptical maybe stance. Yeah. I'd love, I love reading about the positive things that it's done. Like it developed, it found a new antibiotic, which is going to be a huge thing. Yeah. yeah it can run modelling that will allow you to cure diseases and yeah. solve really complex problems that human beings would take forever to do. Yeah. So I think there's huge, huge potential there. It, sure, it will make many people's jobs potentially obsolete. Mm. And what, what do we do then if we've got huge levels of unemployment? Yeah. Don't know. But from the Agile space, I think the vast majority of Agile coaches are going to find themselves less value add yeah. than the average AI. Because they haven't got the experience. No, that's right. And they don't, they don't know how to go about getting that experience either. Other than trying to search for what other people are doing and using their... Con but AI can do that a lot quicker and yeah, a, lot, a lot more efficiently. Yeah. So, yeah. But I said this, this, this thing that I did last week, it was, it was really nice validation for me. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, not usually that needy, but it was a really nice validation for them to say, yeah, having your experience and the ability to put your experience to one side, essentially, and help us find our own experience was, was, was incredibly valuable to them. And it's much better than any training course they've been on. They, they, they learn stuff without necessarily being taught it. And I think it's also um, reinforces my, my, uh, my belief that we need relationships. We need um, over a longer period of time. And I, it came back to me in spades uh, in, in, um, in Amsterdam was that you're reconnecting with people that... So there's a couple of people there that, that came up to me and um, I knew their face. So and I'm pretty good with names, as you are. And I knew their face, I knew, I knew them, I just couldn't, I had to do the embarrassing look down at the name tag thing to, to remind myself, but he, he clearly knew me. And it's people that we, me and you had trained many years yeah. ago as, on a CSP course. Um, and it was, and he remembered the course, he remembered um, the exercises. Yeah. And I just think that that interaction on a social level and on a, on a, on a human level stays it, stay, it, it sticks better. Yeah. For, for maybe it's just for me, but, but certainly for this guy as well. He remembered the course, he remembered me. And I just, maybe it's my need to be remembered and recognised it's coming through, but I think I, that's, the, that's the reason I, I got into this, was, was for that kind of... Um, Fame. <laughs> status. No, it's for, it's, it's for connections, it's for um, relationships. Yeah, for me that's validation of a job well done. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The fact they've stayed, they've stayed in the community, I think. Yeah, I'm proud that people that we've trained and coached 
over the last 20 years are highly prominent yeah. in the industry and adding value now. I see that as a, a sort of a ripple effect of what we've done. I think that's great. And I still want to do more of that. I, I, I love working with passionate people who are trying to do a good job. People perhaps who aren't as jaded and cynical and yeah. pessimistic. No, I think, I think um, well, we've seen it over the years, haven't we? The, you get 20 people, or let's say, let's try to say 20 people onto a, a, a Scrum Master class, the first class. You might get five of those that actually decide to further their and further their, their, their opportunities and go for a more advanced class. And then you might get two of those that actually go onto the practitioner class. So the numbers do dwindle, and that's completely natural. But the ones that do come through that and do um, you meet now in the community, they're generally doing good things. They're either part of or a massive part of their own internal community, uh, community in their company and they've become change agents within that space, or they're doing it publicly, or both. They're doing it for their local community, their user groups, and the number of user groups that we get invited to now, they're, just, they're people that, we've, that we know, that we've trained, that, we've, um, that, are, that are good, they've become good friends as, as well as good mm. practitioners. So that's, I think that's, that's what keeps, um, and I think, even at this, the global scum gathering this week, I think a lot of people moaned about it's the, um, a lot of the same messages, the same material, and even at the Agile conferences, the same same voices. But I think what we, sometimes what we forget is, and, and Trisha Broderick said this um, last week, she said we're standing, a lot of us are standing on the shoulders of giants, the people that, that were there 20 years ago that started this stuff. Their, their voice is still credible now. They, they might not be as young and, 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 and as part of the community as they used to be, but we're, they, they've still got a, a something to say. Even if they're saying the same thing as they said 20 years ago, it's still important to hear those voices for people that haven't heard those voices before. So um, Mike Cohn still gets 60 people queuing outside of his room. Oh, don't I know it? Because they put him on at the same time as me in, in Orlando. <laughs> I was in one room, Mike Cohn was in another, and Esther Derby was in another. I was. Uh, there was something, uh, maybe not at this conference, but somebody said, uh, they were talking about Agile uh, 2023 this week, and I think they put Mike in a small room. Yeah. Is that right? <coughs> because it wasn't Mike as such. No, it was Mike plus some. Mike well, it was somebody Brian. with Mike. Yeah. So Mike was sort of supporting he somebody. Was, uh, yeah, it's like, like on a film, like Nigel said on a film. Yeah. Featuring credits. Mike Cohn and yeah, Mike Cohn. Exactly, he was, an, he was with or an and, yeah. but he's still the big, oh, yeah. the big draw. So you can't. Um, but people who have never heard Mike speak before, even if he doesn't say very much, he's still worth hearing. Yeah, pay to hear and read a menu. Exactly, that's someone said in an old B, B, B days many years ago. But I think absolutely, I think those people. If you've not been around the community, if you've never seen some Esther or, or, or Mike speak before. It's worth seeing, yes. Yeah. Because they were they were the people that, that that kept it going in the first place, that brought it to us in the first place. Mm. So I think there's an element of I don't think even AI would ever replace that for me, for me personally. <coughs> but there will be there will become a time, maybe after we've long since retired, Jeff. When I reckon Mike Cohn's <laughs> April Fools next week, next year. Will be AI Mike. AI Mike. Yeah. Mike GPT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But it's, I think, you know, there might become a time when people aren't talking about the authors anymore, uh, or the, the signatories, or the, you know, the initial advocates, the evangelists. But I still, I think we still need create content creators, but that's, I think and that's those content creators need to come from practice, I think. I don't think we have a wealth of creators anymore at all. No. I think that's something we've noticed from some of the um, projects that myself, yourself, and yourself and Nigel have tried to start it in, a, in, a, in the past couple of years. That we thought there was innovators out there, but in fact, maybe there aren't. Maybe there are not as, not, not as many new creatives as, as we thought there are. Hmm. And AI is, well, maybe AI can create something, I don't know. I think it will do eventually, but not, not really at the moment. It still needs significant input and, what's the word I'm looking for? Just quality checking, you know? Yeah. Filtering, I don't know what the word is. Based on real experience, whether it actually works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, in, this, in the conferences last week, not many case studies about about this is what we've done at this company and how it works. There's a lot of theory, a lot of um, conjecture, but not a lot of hard. Because that was the thing I remember Ken Schwaber saying at the first few scrum gatherings that I went to, is people need to hear the stories, the real life stories about where it's done, where it's worked, where, where, where it's made a difference. There's not as many of those anymore. No, I've seen a few, but they're all, <clears throat> you could essentially have taken the case study from our time at BT, <coughs> how many, 15, 16, 17 years ago, just changed out the word BT for their company name and it wouldn't be that different. Um, but hey. Yeah. Can you remember what year that was? We, we had a bit of a 2005, quiz. wasn't it? Was that the, London, the first London gathering? Yeah. When Mike was there, Roman was there, mm. Ken was there, and we did the closing keynote. Yeah. yeah. Was I involved in that? Yeah, you were there. Okay. I think you'd already left BT by then. But you were there. You that was probably 2007. Roger. I think, I don't think, I think it was, a, yeah. 2007 rings a bell, doesn't it? 2005. Because that was before I, the first gathering I did was Minneapolis 2006, so it couldn't have been before that. I like to, um, but the gatherings used to look quite different to what they do now. First one you went to was Denver, wasn't it? Was it Denver? Yeah. 2004? Going back to Denver next year. Okay. No, not next year, the year after, sorry. Oh, well, probably yeah. next year. Okay. I won't be there. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So we got any messages for our listeners? Any messages? Um, we've missed you. We, we, we apologise for being caught up with other things. It's mm. been a long time since our last one. I think it was probably back in April, was it May? April, May, yeah. So it's been, a, it's been a busy, in some respects, busy, busy, not busy. It has been, yeah. It's been a... Frantic. It's been a very busy year for me. Yeah. Even without... It's been a very different type of work. Yeah. Trying to build a business. Yeah. Trying to build a brand. Trying to get market awareness. Product market fit. Product solution fit. I think we've got product solution fit. Pretty sure, just from the the evidence that we've got so far from the clients, that it's a product that works and it has value. Whether or not there is enough appetite in the market for something that 
deep? That's that's the question that we're trying to answer now. Yeah. There's some, and maybe some is enough. Yeah. I did say, and I think with anything, you have your early adopters, but I think it may well be that you don't need every every company to do this. I think there's a there's a group of companies that have their own internal skills and expertise that they don't need any expert help perhaps then you've got some other companies who are ambitious and keen and visionary I just see the value in coaching <coughs> yeah. that's something that's, that's perhaps not always ad- as abundant as we might think mm. the, the, uh, the value of coaching internally so yeah, so, yeah. Um, well, we'd like to say we're, we'd like to say we're available for work we're, <laughs> I was going to say we're back um, We'll make a pledge to try and do these more often. Yeah. Um, but very shortly, we're off to do an escape room. Just, just for old times. It's been a while since me and Jeff have uh, braved an escape room together. So we're, we're going to tackle that, aren't we? After this point, that's the next. You go in uh, in the water tank, handcuffed, and I'll see yeah. if I can get you out. Well, I don't know if I've I've brought my my speedos with me, so I don't know if I'll I'll be off there. So we're going to the Houdini's last escape. It's called, isn't it? Is it Houdini's last secret, last I think. Last secret. Sorry, last last secret. So, yeah, there's probably going to be. I do like a. I do like a magic themed escape room. I found my um, magic DVD actually yesterday. The magic DVD. So in 2013, I was keynote at Scrum Gathering South Africa. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was there. I was there. And, and the theme was magic. Yes, right. And you learned the magic. And so trick. I learned some magic tricks and did them on stage. <coughs> and they bombed, didn't they? Did they bomb? Well, <laughs> <laughs> deliberately bombed. One of them was one of them went wrong, but it, I did it so that it looked like it was supposed to go wrong. I styled it out. Yeah. But yeah, I, as I, any good illusion. I paid for a magician to come and teach me some tricks, but I also bought a DVD to practice. Uh, yeah, I still I found it. I still got it. There we go. Anyway, nice to nice to speak to you all. Yeah, nice to be back. Nice and, to see uh, you, my we'll friend. See you all again soon. Ta-da.